We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I am so excited again to have Ginger Hubbard on the show. This is our third episode with Ginger. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and the new Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely book series for children. And she speaks at women events, parenting conferences, homeschool conventions, and she's the co-host of Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. And you can reach out to her also at gingerhubbard.com. So Ginger, today I'm so excited to talk about Chloe and the Closet of Secrets from your children's series, Teaching Children to Use Their Words Wisely. So kids lie, right? Adults lie. We all lie, white lies, little lies. And why is lying such a temptation for children or for adults? In other words, what is at the heart of lying? Well, hopefully none of us lie on a daily basis, but I think if we're honest, we've all had our moments of exaggerating details in our favor or maybe just slightly twisting the truth to make ourselves look good or maybe conveniently leaving out certain facts to protect our guilt. Or how about those times when we slightly embellish our stories just to make them sound a little bit better or to make ourselves look better? So why do we do those things? Why do we lie? If we really think about it and we really evaluate what is at the heart of lying, we'll conclude that most of the time, lying derives from the love and preservation of self. And our children are no different. They are just smaller versions of us. And like us, they'll sometimes even resort to denying the obvious to save face and to avoid consequences. But what's even worse than lying being motivated by a love and preservation of self is that lying expresses a lack of trust that God is in control. Because no matter how you slice it, lying is always an attempt to bring about the response or outcome that we prefer, a response or outcome that suits our own interest. And that's a problem. Because when we try to alter a natural response or outcome by lying, we're placing ourselves in a position of control rather than trusting God to be in control. Absolutely. A little white lie, if you let it go, it becomes a bigger lie and a bigger lie. And before you know it, you can have children who become compulsive liars. And I'd like to say that there is such thing as a noble lie. And we understand a noble lie to be like what Rahab did, or what the the midwives did, when they were told to either kill the baby, mm-hmm. you know, kill the children. Yep. And so they lied that they didn't do that. But those are noble lies. So those are different. We want to understand for adults that sometimes there is a noble lie that is a necessity. But mm-hmm. most lies are not right. So What are the three methods parents should avoid when dealing with a lying child, and why should parents avoid them? Well, the first one is in regards to punishment. We don't want to just punish a child for lying. While consequences are a part of training children not to lie, to just merely punish a lying child can actually wind up doing more harm than good. Because what we view as, I'm punishing you because you lied, the child views as, uh, no, you're punishing me because you found out the truth. And then they just become better at lying. Another dangerous response to a a lying child is anger, which is going to cause the child to fear admitting that he lied in the first place. And like you talked about one lie, dig your heels even deeper to try to cover the first lie. So it's like a snowball effect. Also, when we respond in anger, the Bible says we will stir anger in the hearts of our children. Proverbs 15, one says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
The third method parents want to avoid with dealing with a lying child is putting labels on them. In other words, if we're absolutely certain that the child has lied, it's better to address the fact that he lied rather than calling him a liar. If we call him a liar, we're labeling him a liar rather than encouraging him to live in the forgiveness and the atonement of Christ. So when our children lie, rather than just administering consequences or reacting in anger or calling them liars, it's best to calmly address what God's word says about lying and the relational consequences of lying. And then perhaps even share about a time that we, when we ourselves told a lie and what the results were and why it would have been so much better to have been truthful, and then encourage them in a total dependency on Jesus, who is our only hope for redemption and change. We need to understand that it's a self-controlled, transparent, and gospel-oriented response to a lying child that's going to pave the way for more honest communication. And by calling them a liar, what you're doing is you're encouraging a self-fulfilled prophecy. When they hear it enough, they become more of a liar. Hey, mom says I'm a liar, so why not lie? Right. So parents love practical examples. Can you share an example of a child telling a specific lie and how a parent might address it from a heart-oriented perspective? Sure. I'm going to tell a personal story there uh, about a time when my daughter, Alex, was caught red-handed in a lie. And let me just say, she's 26 now, and she gives me permission to share all of these stories about her. But when she was little, one of Alex's favorite things to do was play dress up and pretend. And not just dressing up herself, she also liked to dress up Mickey, who was our little 10-pound Yorkie, who surprisingly, for such a high-strung little dog, he was, for whatever reason, always happy to oblige. So I allowed her to dress Mickey up, and, and she often pretended with him as well. But there was one thing that Alex knew that she was not allowed to do, and that was to get into my makeup bag. So when Mickey, our little Yorkie, came prancing into the kitchen one afternoon with lipstick on, it wasn't hard to figure out who was behind it. But I asked Alex, you know, how it was that Mickey came to have rosewood lips when she was not allowed to be playing in my makeup bag. And she very quickly responded, Doug did it. Okay, so let me tell you about Doug. Doug is a three inch tall caped action figure that came in a kid's meal. Okay, so obviously Doug did not do it. No question, Alex is lying. But because Alex did like to pretend, and because I was really wanting to give her the benefit of the doubt, I made a suggestion based on my suspicion. I said, Alex, did maybe you help Doug get my lipstick out of the bag and you helped Doug put the lipstick on Mickey? Well, she was smart enough. She was little, but she was smart enough to know that even being Doug's assistant would have landed her in a lot of trouble. So she said, nope, Doug did it all by himself. And then she took it a step further. And she went on and on and on about how she tried to encourage Doug to do the right thing. She said, I told oh, Doug cute. he wasn't allowed to be in your makeup bag. And I told Doug that he really needed to obey because I didn't want Doug to get in trouble, but he wouldn't listen to me. And so, oh, my I mean, gosh. That is on, just so cute. <laughs> I know. On and on and on she goes. And so at this point, I did something that rarely works with small children. I tried to reason with her. I said, Alex, Doug did not do it. Doug is not capable of going in my makeup bag all by himself, getting the lipstick out and putting it on the dog. He would have, he would have had to have help. Well, uh, either Alex had clearly thought through in advance how she was going to escape consequences should she get caught, or this child was just this good on off the cuff because she very quickly said, oh, yes, he could do it by himself because I put batteries in him. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. It just got more and more elaborate. And so bottom line is Alex was caught red-handed telling a lie. And I did call her out on it and I disciplined her for it. But I didn't want to discourage her by labeling her a liar. I wanted to keep her focused on who she is in Christ. And so I said, Alex, you told a lie, but you are not a liar. That is not who you are. You are a forgiven child of God. And because of his grace, you can walk in truth. And then after we dealt with it, she had a clean slate of forgiveness and it was over. The matter was dropped. Her burden was lifted and her heart was lighter. So the grace was shown in me addressing it, dealing with it, and then just letting it go and not holding it over her head. And that's what Jesus does. He, he casts our sins as far as the East is from the West. And when we confess and we repent, he forgives us our sins and he remembers them no more. He doesn't continue to hold it over our heads. I think that's an excellent point. If you have a parent who continuously brings up past sins that you've done, you know, Johnny, remember, I told you last week not to put your shoes there and you're still doing it. And I I punished you last week. It's just, it's not a good way of disciplining. It's not disciplining in love to keep bringing that up. You know, you just have to say, Johnny, I know you probably forgot that your shoes need to be put in the same you know, the right spot in your, in your Mm -hmm. bedroom. So Mm -hmm. Johnny, please pick up your shoes now and put them in this where they need to go. And then the parent needs to stand there and make sure Johnny does it. And then Johnny needs to come back and say, mommy, I put my shoes in the right spot. And the parent needs to go and make sure Johnny did put the shoes in the right spot. And with enough practice, they learn that they need to do it that way without, you know, talk down upon or make them feel like they're never going to get it right. Right. That's right. Because the Lord doesn't deal with his children like that. He, he does. He rebukes us. He disciplines us. The Lord disciplines those he loves. But then he, we are forgiven and we have that clean slate and we can walk in the forgiveness and the atonement of Jesus. And so that is the, uh, what we want our children to understand. And that's freeing. That lets your heart what you that's need right. to do right instead of look back upon what you've done wrong all the time. In the story, Chloe's dad has to confess his own lie. Again, I love it how in these books, the child can see, hey, mom and dad have a struggle too. They've, They've been through this. How important is it for parents to be open and transparent with their children about their own struggles? It's important for kids to know that their parents are sinners and need a savior just like they are. It just, it sets the example for them. So when we admit our own struggles, of course, at age appropriate levels, and we let our children witness us seeking Jesus for help with those struggles, that encourages them to do the same. We want to model for our kids what the conviction of the Holy Spirit looks like and how we are to rightly respond to that conviction with repentance. So we can take those opportunities to show them what that looks like. Yes. And it's such a great book. I just love the book. And what is the best way that our parents can connect to you? Our listeners can connect with you to get the books, to listen to your podcast. Tell us all the ways that they can get Ginger Hubbard's information. Well, my website is gingerhubbard.com. So that's a great place to be connected with me. And of course, all of my books and resources are available there, information about the podcast. I'm also on Instagram at ginger.hubbard, where I offer daily encouragement and parenting tips. So I love to connect there with, with folks. But Leanne, my favorite way to connect with the listeners is through our podcast, Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. It's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart, 
and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. And from a practical standpoint, the host of my show, Katie Morgan, and I are super passionate about helping parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance and into a confident and biblical and heart-oriented approach to raising their kids. And I love your little tips at the end that you give, some really great tips. And you also answer questions that parents write to you. We do. Yeah, we have a, on the website, there's a email form on there called Ask Ginger. And so we get lots and lots of questions every week from our listeners. And we love to answer those questions on the podcast because then we know we're actually encouraging these parents where they are and in the, in the specific struggles that their children are facing. So yeah, you could go to gingerhubber.com slash ask ginger and ask those parenting questions. And we always do our best to address as many as we can on the podcast. Well, thank you, Ginger. This has been wonderful getting all your great information out to our listeners. And again, join the Raising Christian Kids Community Facebook group. That's where we're going to be doing the giveaway. And it's all her materials. They're fantastic. Again, thank you, Ginger. Thank you, Leanne. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.